we have this thought a lot of times when we are homeless from the spiritual home standpoint that I've, I've just got to face it all myself. I've got to be the adult. I, 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 I. And God comes along and says, see, I, I actually stand in for you. Would you like me to stand in for you and with you? That, so that powerful picture is God goes behind the people of, e, of Israel, between them and the Egyptians, and the cloud is there representing his presence between the two of them. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. It is not a journey that we can do for you, but it's the one that we can come alongside you as you go through this journey we call life, building your faith. We can encourage you, we can challenge you, and we can tell some fun jokes along the way. My name is Jesse Mayer, I'll be your host, and we cannot do the Salty Pastor Podcast without a Salty Pastor, and we have one of my favorites in the house Mr. Harvey Friesen, how are you, sir? Good, good to be with you. It's been a great summer to do this together. I know, we've gotten to do so many podcasts together. It's Uh, a good vibe, I like it. Thank you for welcoming me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. Pastor Doug's coming back again. He will actually have a podcast on Thursday and then also be preaching this Sunday, starting out of the book of 1 Peter. You guys know how we love to go into the Word of God and how he'll go into that, Mm -hmm. uh, those chapters in there, so I'm excited to have him back. Yeah, our new series, Don't Freak Out. But I actually wanted to have you on today. Um, We're going to mix things up a little bit, but this is the summer of mixing things up. We've been kind of up, down, all around. It's good to kind of change up the format occasionally. And um you didn't quite get through everything you wanted to talk about on yeah, Sunday. Well, the and- word loquacious comes to mind. If you don't know what it means, <laughs> look it up. Uh, but loquacious, Pastor Harv, right? And so, but yeah, there's, uh, you know, there's so much in the word of God and so many truths. It's and- almost like every time you read it, you can get more out of it. And yeah. then you're expected to shove everything you have thoughts about in an itty bitty time. Yeah. Slot, well, so. and I love you guys. I mean, Pastor Doug, you have this wonderful idea that, you know, the body of Christ deserves a fuller, more rounded uh, scope of the teaching of the word of God. And so, yeah, we've got today's podcast to be able to follow up a little bit of that. If we remember what we've been doing is Exodus chapter 14, we actually started in 12, Exodus chapter 12, all the way through 20, did some look in that. We did one of those as a vignette in the at, at the movie series. And then we did the way finding your way home series, mm. little mini series here at the end of the month of July. And with that, what we did was we watched the people of God go from being housed slaves to being homeless followers of God who God led to the promised land where they found their way home. Right. And we talked about that process where the shortcut route would have been the coastal route, but God had a plan to actually make them uh, journey his way so that they would move from a slavery mindset to a follower of God mindset. Mm. He wanted them to become the true children of God and to do that, he brought them through the wilderness. So that's what we did. We looked at that a little bit this last weekend. We talked about some important points on all of that, and maybe we should just jump right in on where we want to pick that up. Yeah, let's pick up where you left off. I mean, uh, there's, okay. there's some additional thoughts you had that we yeah. didn't quite get through because you were blessing us with such a great uh, message. Oh, you're and, kind. And, Thank and, you. And, and, it was good. Yeah. So, well, where, so yeah, where do you want things to talk about? Well, I think I think where's the important part. So if you're doing the podcast, of course, you're either in church on Sunday or following it online in church on Sunday, or you may be watching it later on during the week. But what we did was we talked about chapter 14 was the process of them leaving, uh, literally leaving Egypt, crossing the Red Sea and going into the, uh, the, the, the wilderness there. And the first wilderness was the wilderness of Etham. And then they moved to the wilderness of the of sin, which was where Mount Sinai is S I N mm. and then S I N A I 
Mount Sinai, right? So they moved through that whole process. We talked a little bit about how when they left, one of the important things was, is, is and this is an important life lesson for all of us, when God is leading us, there are sometimes when he is out in front of us, and there are other times when he is our rear guard. And that's mm-hmm. where we've talked about this, the rear guard blessing of God, what happened was the Egyptians chased them from behind. And what happened was God stood in between them. The cloud sat in between them, right? Yes, exactly. That was the verbiage in the, in the Bible. In the text. Exactly. Right. So God stations that cloud, which represents his Holy spirit to stand in front of us. And there's a very important picture there. And that is, we have this thought a lot of times when we are homeless from the spiritual home standpoint that I've, I've just got to face it all myself. I've got to be the adult. I, 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 I. And God comes along and says, see, I, I actually stand in for you. Would you like me to stand in for you and with you? That, so that powerful picture is God goes behind the people of, Egypt, of Israel, between them and the Egyptians, and the cloud is there representing his presence between the two of them. There's a picture I couldn't get into on Sunday because didn't have really time, but today's the perfect place to do it. And that is when you go to the city of Jerusalem, one of the things in Jerusalem pop proper where we would call the old city and the city of David as it sits there on a slope, on the right-hand side or the east, you have the Kidron Valley. On the left-hand side, you have the Gehenna Valley. And then up on the top left, you have Mount Zion, which we hear about Mount Zion all the time. Mm-hmm. And like when David especially is talking in the Psalms, he's talking about how what a blessed thing it is to be on Mount Zion where God protected his people. But there's an interesting piece, okay? And and uh, the picture of it is this, is, is that you have... You have the, the those two valleys that come together on the south end there, and there's a pool down there called the Pool of Siloam. That's actually where Jesus heals one of the people of blindness, sends him all the way up the hill, all the way up that hill to the top of Jerusalem where the old city is, and the very northern edge of that, at the very north end, at the end of that, was where the temple was. Mm, okay. And this is a powerful picture, is that in in the city of Jerusalem, it is fully defendable from the east from the south, from the west, and it's one place where it's intensely vulnerable for attack, it's from the north. And the powerful thing was they all lived south of the temple, and God stationed himself between the Israelites and those who could come against him on their place of vulnerability. Mm. So, so this is important on a personal level because all of us have strengths and weaknesses. All of us have capacity and all of us have vulnerability. And when we have vulnerability, one of the first things that we ask is, I mean, what's between me and that which would come against me? God is literally saying, I created Jerusalem as a place where it was me defending my people. And, and we joked about it a little bit in the sermon, and that is you have to leave room for Jesus in your life to look after things that you would normally be able to, if you would, control it, wrench it, try to determine it, all those kinds of things. And we all know that place when we're operating in our best self and when we're operating in our, like, over the top of our ski self, where we try to, like, make it happen, wrench it, force right. people. And, and, and in relationships, that doesn't work very well. In business, it doesn't work so well. People know when you've gone past your ability and now you're just like enforcing your will on someone. God comes along and says, I'll stand in there before you. I'll give you favor. Think about how these words fit in. I will give you favor. I will give you blessing. I'll give you favor with God and with people. I will be the one who stands before you. I'll be your rear guard. And and if you think about it, um, in business, a lot of times people will talk about, man, you know, I've got great exposure. 
what they're saying is I, I, I I'm not protected on my back. Mm-hmm. Like, and we'll even use the phrase, right. Do you have my back? Right. That idea really comes from the concept of what we study there in, in Exodus. And that is God said, I have your back. And one of the most beautiful gifts that we could have in our Christian walk is to know with confidence, God has my back. And I, I want to give you a practical illustration of that. The practical illustration of that is, is that God says this, work on your character and I will defend your reputation. Mm-hmm. The culture says, work on your reputation, have enough character to be acceptable. Think that out for a second. God says, work on your character. I'll take care of your reputation. People always talk about you. They'll talk about you where behind your back. Right. Right. All this word picture comes out of scripture, right? And so what God comes along and says is, work on your character. I'll take care of your reputation. The world says, always massage, get HR departments, get, uh, get, uh, well, um, I mean, we see this in almost any, any celebrity or anybody of high, high exposure. They have someone who's managing their image, quote unquote, right? Their reputation. And so, and a lot of times you see a lot of TV shows about people who have a reputation, but their character is extremely flawed and they have these fixers or these image managers who are literally just trying to cover up. Yeah this abhorrent behavior that they are yeah. outside of the cameras. Right. Well, and not, and most of us honestly are not wealthy enough to hire enough fixers. Right. And so what we end up doing is we end up fixing. And I think that's where a lot of breakage happens in relationships. Forcing right? it. Right. Yeah. We force it. And you know what? People feel that too. So, so if you go forward from there, they now go out there and, and into the wilderness. The first thing they need is water. They run out of that. God provides. The the second thing they run out of is food. God provides again, though, here's an important thing is God provides. And we have to be at peace with that. He is our provider. We struggle with that. We want to say, okay, thanks God. Appreciate it. But I'm going to Costco. I don't need you to provide, right? Mm. I can, I'm I'm going in there and I got a card and I've got a credit card and I'm going to buy. And God c- comes into our lives and says, "Now, but remember, I gave you the ability to earn your wealth. I gave the ability for you to have provision over your life. So it's not a natural thing. So they go one more step further. They again run out of water, and then God. And at that point, Moses loses it. It's I joked about it. it's the it's the one place, it's the first place that recorded history where the dad pulls over with two point four million people in the back of the car and says, "Shut up! I will turn this car around. I will turn this car. You will go back to Egypt." And they're like, "Going, yeah, sure." Well, that happens right in this text. So then we get to the Ten Commandments, right? And so we talked about those Ten Commandments, and and in there, I, I juxtaposed those Ten Commandments. But there was a place where I didn't get a chance to finish up, and I and I want to finish that out here today. And that is, there there were five things that I said about moving from a slavery mindset to a godly mindset. And, and the Ten Commandments are the process of how we get there. But there were five things I said. One is it's painful. It is, fr- it is a fight, a struggle sometimes. It requires discipline on our parts to say we're going to do this the way of God. It requires perseverance. You can't just give up when it gets a little bit hard. And there's a benefit that comes, and that is we, we delay gratification. I, I put up this little process that we talked about, and that is let, let me just show this is where a lot of us struggle in our faith. We get a little way in. We have a little bit of success and we have tried and tried and tried. And, and, and then we just go, I, I, I can't do it. I just, mm-hmm. and we give up. And what we give up is on the concept of having a real meaningful personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and, but tell me in anywhere in our lives, Jesse, where a real meaningful, deep relationship that lasts where it's 
easy. It, it can become easy, but what it takes is two people working on both sides of a relationship, whether it's between a, a father and a son, uh, a mother and a daughter, a, you know, moms and dads with their kids, uh, our parents with uh, their, their in-laws and extended families, all those relationships, uh, neighbor relationships, staff relationships, they all require two people fully engaged, open and vulnerable, willing to build a relationship with each other. And a lot of times, we because post COVID post all these other things. It's, it's almost like people have lost the ability to just stick with it. They just want to throw it all out. Right. It was the great reset, but some of that, you know, I personally benefited, you know, COVID was a terrible thing and it still is. Yeah. Right. Totally. People have, have lost their lives. It has disrupted lives and jobs and things of this nature. But I started saying no to more things because there was this point where I could go, Oh, I don't have to be committed to this anymore because the world's kind of shutting down and I can just be done with this, right? Well, yeah, I, and we, that, yeah. And that's healthy. But then I think there was a lot of like, well, I'm just going to stop doing everything and just give up on all the things now because yeah. what's the point? We're probably just going to live in these houses for the rest of our lives or whatever. Right. But the problem with that is it becomes a self-inflicted slavery and a self-inflicted imprisonment mm-hmm. because what ends up happening is, is okay, it's a lot easier, but we're alone now. You know, think about the best things you've ever done in your life. I mean, you had some really great production that came together, everything worked together. And after it was all done, the first thing you wanted to do was tell somebody important in your life about it. 100%. Right, right. That is a human condition. Well, in this, we want to continue going on in our relationship with God. And I, went, I, I wrote these down. I gave them out in the handout. The handout's still up on the, on the, on the uh, website. church website. You yep. can go get it, of course. But there's a pattern of progressing in a faith with God. It's a relationship. But it's a very different one. And this is why he's the Heavenly Father and we're his children. Adopted in at his table, John chapter 1, verse 12. Uh, but in there, here's a pattern. We need to see it in a, in a parent-to-child relationship. And that is this. He instructs. This is all straight out of the text. This is what he did with Moses. He gives instruction. We listen. He gives commands. We obey. Well, what's the difference between commands and instructions? Instructions are how to do it. Commands are you really need to do this. Mm. Okay. I'm telling you, do this. Trust me. And then here's, so, so he instructs, we listen, he commands, we obey. And then here's an important thing that happens with the favor of God. He confuses the enemy in our lives, situations, where what God does is he actually turns the table on situations. Gideon is a perfect illustration mm. of that. He wanted to bring in all the men he could absolutely do. And God goes, oh, you got you too many, too many, fewer, 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 fewer. Until he finally gets down, I think, to 300 men. Yeah. And, then, and then what happens is as they're about to prepare to go against this great army, the other army is confused and they win the battle by not even having a battle because God confused the enemy. Here's the important line. Leave room for God to change the circumstance or the situation or the hearts of other people. So he confuses, and what we do is we watch. We watch, and we allow God to to make those things happen. The seventh thing I put is he prophesies the outcome. He says, "I, I will be with you. I will be there on the other side of this. I'll be there with you in your parenting. I'll be there with you in your relationships. I'll be there with you in your work. I'll be there. I will be on that other side. And then for us, it's we see. We have to open our eyes to actually see how God is at work. 
All these things happened as the people of Israel kept moving forward towards Mount Sinai. So we, we, we saw him provide water at Marah, turn the bitter into good drinking water. He saw, we saw the quail and the manna there in the wilderness of Ethan. We saw him come back with water in the wilderness of sin. And he had provision over their lives in every way. And they got to watch him work. One of the things that we have to do is leave room for God to lead our lives. I kind of think of this as an analogy. Um, I've, I've, I watch a lot of like DIY things. And um, one of the things I've seen is when your finger swells up and you can't get your ring off, there's this handy little trick where you take a piece of string, you thread it underneath the ring, and then you kind of wind it around your finger. And where you normally would not be able to force this ring off, you're, I mean, for our viewers, you can see me doing this action, but right. if you imagine finger trap style, sure. you're really pushing and pulling on that ring, you can't get it off. But once you thread that string underneath and you start pulling on that string, that little bit of room that it creates eases that swelling and that ring will just slide right off. And I think of God, it's almost the exact same way. Or you think about a well-oiled machine. Right. That oil is literally the thing, you know, they don't build, they leave enough space in there for this lubricant right. that allows the whole thing to run smoothly. And God is that lubricant. He is that string. He is, he is the greater than all of those things, but they're the best analogies our earthly minds can think of, right? Uh, that's 100% right. And, I, and I'll say this, it is hard to begin to trust God, but when we start to do it, after we do it a little more and a little more and a little more, I talked about this too, we gain momentum mm. in our faith. And, and so all those things lead up to the last two things, and that is this. When that all happens, God gets the glory, we get the blessing. That's a very, 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 very important thing. Whenever something goes the way we want it to go, we tend to take the glory because of the blessing. Here's a humble difference. God does not share his glory with anyone. He only shares his blessings with everyone. Mm. He's willing to bless. Remember it says, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. There was manna and quail that went to people that weren't as nice as people who were really nice, and they still got manna and quail. God is eager to bless. He's a father. He cares about his children. He's wanting to do that. But very, very important is, and I think we know this intuitively in our hearts, is that the one thing that dies in the process of going from slavery over to Mount Sinai, over to the, to the promised land, is pride. Mm. See, that's the reason why. Because if they'd just taken the shortcut, if we take spiritual shortcuts and it all works out and it's all great, we made it happen and we take on that spiritual pride. And God says, I, I, I abhor pride. Because pride is self-sufficiency that says, I don't need God. And if you think about it with the commandments, pride is the lubricant that creates or that, 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 that eases the way for us to violate the first commandment. Have no other gods before me. Pride is, I'm standing in front of God. It, it's the weirdest thought of God does something and we, if you will, jump in on the picture and stand in front of him. And instead of taking a bullet, what we do is we take credit. Mm. God set it up where they didn't get to take all the credit. So anyway, that, that, that's just a powerful picture. And what, what I want to paint is the idea we must keep continuing to allow God to lead us. Sometimes he's behind us. Sometimes he's in front of us. But he's always between us and the greatest needs of our lives. So this, that, that, that's a, a very distinctly important picture. And I think the people of Israel got that. They got it. They didn't like it, but they got it. But, but, but we should remember after the water, so, so think this out for a second. So, so God splits the water. They escape the Egyptians. 
God, they come upon, they, they're running out of water in three days. They come to a place with water. It's bitter. God turns the water into fresh water. They run out of food. God provides quail and manna before them, and they are supplied with all their physical needs that they have. God then gives them a water again, because one thing in the desert you have to have all the time is water. And in that place, Moses himself loses it. Okay, then they go to the mountain of God. They get to Mount Sinai, and God in chapter 19 of Exodus says, Stop here, stop right here, stop right here. Don't come before me yet. You are not ready to come before me. And people go, Well, I thought God loved everybody, and I thought God likes everybody, and it says Jesus died for everyone, and all like that. Well, well, right, but there's also a decorum before a holy God. We saw Moses have that happen in his life when he was walking around, you know, there in the Sinai, kicking rocks and pushing sheep. And he runs into this burning bush that's not burning. And he goes, wait, that's, uh, I remember dealing with this God before. Uh, And so there's a miracle happening. The bush is burning, but it's not being consumed. And there the voice of God speaks to him. And he says, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. God has that same belief about Mount Sinai. And this is an important part, especially in in modern day Christian expression. And that is this. God is God. God calls us and invites us to be his friend, but we aren't his buddy. Mm. Okay. And buddy is, hey, buddy, come along. And you're this. Yeah. If if your God is just this small little buddy God, you're missing the God who is the God of the Bible. That God is a God who is worthy of us being adored in every way. And we know this intuitively, though. Think about this, Jesse. If you were out and about walking, let's say you were on a hike up at Pierce Park, you were hiking up at Table Rock or something like that, and you run into some famous musician or some famous actor or some famous human being or whatever, you'd, you'd be walking like, I, 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 just, I just saw whoever, fill in the blank, right? And if you, because you knew who this person was, you would, you would, in a split second, have a sense of respect for the body of their work. Mm-hmm. When the people came through, all that thing, all the miracles that God performed in their midst, God said, now when you come into my presence, hold on a second and stop. I Respect me for the fact that I am your deliverer. Mm-hmm. And, and people don't know this very often because we get locked into the Ten Commandments. But I want, I want to read for everybody. I want, you to re, I want you to listen to this. This is actually the start of the Ten Commandments. Chapter, one, uh, chap, chapter 20, verse 1. Then God gave the people all these instructions, commandments. I am the Lord your God, comma, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. The Ten Commandments are God reminding them of where he brought them from. Mm. And, and, and I have to tell you, I, the, I know where I grew up. I know the station of my life. I know the, and I know the people that helped me along the way. And it reminds me of how respectful I am of Dr. Doty, who was a preaching professor, uh, of Dr. Warren, who taught me about the Bible back and forth, of Doug Peake and how he guided me in my life and helped me to know the way and the will and the purpose of God. I'm reminded that these people helped me on my way out of that place. And, and I think God at Mount Sinai is saying, and when he delivers the message of the commandments to the people, he says, I want to remind you that I am the God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, from the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God before me. This is incredibly important as it relates to respect. We need to know that, that God is this great and, and, and amazing God who 
is, is doing all kinds of things in the universe that we don't even know about. That's the God who delivered him. That's why Pharaoh, on the way out, said, we lost. Could you ask your God to bless me? Because why? His gods couldn't bless him in the way he wanted to have. Think about it. Pharaoh had everything you could have imagined, right? But he didn't have the blessing of the one known God, and that's what he wanted. That's what I think all of us are hardwired to want. We want the blessing of God in our lives. That's why at Foothills, one of the things that we work hard at is we want you to know how to walk with God. And one of the hardest things to do is to help you learn how to do that. You start out the podcast with, we are here to help you broaden depth, uh, broaden and build depth into your faith. Mm -hmm. But we can't do it for you. But we can help guide you to do it. And I... and. So there's a couple of very important things. Like I put this little test at the end of it here um, about how we would actually learn to do this. And it's asking you some straightforward questions. And here's a question for you. If you had to put a percentage around it, you trust primarily in yourself. You control everything and everyone. How much of your life would you say is that percentage of it? I have to control everything. If you want to get really sliced and diced on this is ask somebody who really knows you right. to answer the questions too. Second one is I trust primarily in others. I let others dictate my life because I'm afraid of them and I have peer pressure and all those sorts of things. How much of that is really driving your life? I know it's kind of hard to quantify these, but I'm at least wanting to make you think yeah, about you it. You want to have that, that yeah. process. Yeah. And then here's another one. How, how much do I trust in God primarily for moral guidance, life direction, do I let his spirit and the word that I, the, the Latin phrase is, is there is sorry for all you Latin scholars. I'm going to butcher the sound uh, the pronunciation, but Deo Numa, which means I am compelled by the spirit of God. He leads me. And I think there's six main areas. So relationally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, intellectually, uh, and financially, do I let God lead me in all those places of my life? And prayer at the beginning of the day is the wonderful, great spot where we actually do that. If we don't, there's a verse for that. And I, I mean, I know you know I'd come with a verse for that, but Psalm. I love verses. So listen to Psalm 20, verse 7 uh, in the New Living Translation. It says, Some nations boast of their chariots and horses. Read Egypt, mm -hmm. right? Remember, it even said in the text, 600 of their best chariots and horses. That's, a, that's a, one of the largest standing armies. Maybe it was the largest standing army in the world at that time, right? Some boast in chariots and horses, but we boast in what? The name of the Lord, our God. Mm -hmm. Now go to the third commandment. You will not take the Lord, your God's name in vain. So, so Psalm 27, 20 verse seven in the NIV says, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. Again, it says it that way. There's a slight little difference. Here's the important part. When things really go hard in your life, what name do you trust in? See, it, a lot of people go, how do you, I, I don't even say, how do I have a relationship with God? It's, here's a great little start. I will put my trust in the name of the Lord God, the one who will guide and lead and can do everything he wants to. So we do that. So you, then you come to the Mount Sinai and they deliver that. And, and, and before we beat ourselves up too much, we ought to remember this. The people saw all those things face-to-face -face miracles, and they still built the golden calf. Mm -hmm. They still built the calf, right? We see God do great things in our lives, and we still stumble. We see, we see God do wonderful things in our lives, and we still stumble. What, what we have to remember is this. They lived 430 years in slavery, and it was just a few weeks. 
if we understand properly, at two months after the start of the journey, they get to Mount Sinai. So eight short weeks, June and July, right? They are going through the desert and they get to God. Where in our lives have we gotten it in eight weeks? Not very often. Never. <laughs> so the scriptures actually got a great scripture. So in, in, in Isaiah chapter 61 is that we are called to be oaks of righteousness. And here's an important part. At Foothills, what we're teaching you is to be oaks of righteousness, not squash, not summer squash. So here, here's the line. It takes three months to grow summer squash. It takes 30 years to grow an oak. We were called of God to be his disciples, and we do that over the course of time. We have all these beautiful places of discipleship here in the church where you can grow and learn to grow. Don't be too hard on yourself because it's three months. These guys were only in it for a few months. They built a calf and an idol. But, but there was a generation that came up that learned to fear the Lord, and Joshua was a part of that. That story continues on where God raised the next generation, and it was good. Mm. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad we got to finish up your thoughts on this whole thing, yeah, Pastor, because I think those final thoughts kind of tie everything you've been talking about in this mini series we Thanks. were going through together, and I just really love... Yeah. You know, we you, you go through Exodus and you're like, Exodus is Exodus. And it's just the story of God's people running out of Egypt and then wandering around the desert for a while, right? But it's like, there's so many lessons. And that's what's great about the Bible is every time you read it, you can get something completely different. You can pull all these parallels and you've pulled yet another parallel that I will never look at the book of Exodus oh, the same good. again. So good. thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure. And, good to be with you guys. And it was really enjoyable to have our summer together. Excited yes, for Pastor thank you for Doug leading coming us back. over the summer. Pleasure. We are excited to have Pastor Doug, but you know, it's, if there's someone who has to stand in the gap while he's gone, you are quite the man to do it. Well, so thank, thank you. you so much. Enjoyed it. And listeners, join us on Thursday for Pastor Doug's grand return to start talking about our brand new series, Don't Freak Out. We'll see you on Thursday here on the Salty Pastor Podcast. 